0: Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. The presenting sponsor of this episode of Hey, Amarillo is Estacar Companies. The Estacar team brings innovative management experience to growth-oriented businesses. You can find Estacar online at estacar.com, E-S-T-A-C-A-R.com, Estacar, force for your vision. Today's guest is David Salas. David is the managing partner of Altura Engineering and Design. And along with his partners, Jacob Moreno and Chris Lopez, David started Altura in 2013. It was just a few years ago, but they've grown from just the three of them to a company now with two dozen employees with more than $3 million in revenue. And this year, Altura ranked 434th on the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies in the U.S., which is a big deal. But they've grown so fast that they still office out of the WT Enterprise Center, which is a local business incubator that helps entrepreneurs like these guys get started. And despite the success, David is really soft-spoken. He's humble. He's just, he's great to talk to. I love telling stories like this, and I'm excited about this show. David Salas, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Jason.
0: I want to talk a little bit about uh, your business and, and what you guys do and how you've grown. But before we get to that point, I just want to know a little bit of, of the backstory. So can you tell me just a little bit about uh, sort of how you got to this place? I mean, did you grow up here in Amarillo?
1: Amarillo is home. Uh, I was born in Los Angeles, and my my parents moved us to Amarillo when I was about eight years old. So most of my memories are here, and this is, this is home.
0: Was... Um do you have a a good sense of what it was like moving from Los Angeles to Amarillo? I mean, those are two very different places.
1: It was a culture shock. Even at eight years old, I, I noticed a lot of differences. And you know, coming from a big city, and 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 at the time, this was in the early '80s when we moved to Amarillo. You know, it was a it was a very small town, so there was a bit of a culture shock and. You know, the areas that, we, that I was living in, that my family was living in, in, in Los Angeles, wasn't the best area. So even at an early age, you got to see some of the bad stuff. And uh, that was one of the reasons for my family wanting to get out of that area, get out of those, that situation. And had family members that were already living in Amarillo. There was uh, plenty of work here. So uh, my dad decided to, to move the family.
0: What were some of the big differences that you remember is, is there a noticeable difference just like in the people or the community or anything like that?
1: Well, you know, traveling, you know, now, now that I go back to Los Angeles and in that area, you know, there is a noticeable difference, you know, the people aren't as friendly. But at eight years old, all I remember is just not being able to go to the beach anymore. And then when <laughs> and I we came, don't have very good beaches, no, here. we don't. And uh, no trees. And I remember, well, at least no palm trees. And then uh, I remember... Seeing snow for the first time here. So that was another big difference.
0: So you uh, you came to Amarillo around the age of eight, grew up here. At, at what point did you think um, I went to get into engineering? Was that something that, that you started to show an aptitude for as, as you were in high school or how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I always had an interest in math and science. Um, and one of the there was a, a group called TAME, it's the Texas Alliance for Minorities in Engineering, and they would put on these programs where you would do like a bridge bash competition. You'd, you'd build a bridge, bridge out of uh, balsa wood, and then they'd put a load on it to d- destroy it, see how much weight it could handle, or an egg drop competition where you'd have to build a, like a vessel around a, an egg to protect right. it. I've and done then, a couple
0: of those in and, my day. Though.
1: Okay, and then they'd drop it from like 30 feet and uh, try to figure out who's, whose design was better, whose egg would survive. So it was opportunities like that that really sparked my interest in in engineering because uh, at those events you got to see the volunteers were engineers so you got to interact with them and that organization is still actually going on after you know the they've been going on for 40 years so it's uh, it's it's a it's a good way to get students interested in engineering and science because a lot of times they don't understand what engineers do so Kind of an invisible profession. They're everywhere, but you people really don't understand what they do
0: until a bridge collapses. That's right. Or... That's right. Where did you go to high school?
1: I went to Palo Duro High School. Okay, that's where I graduated.
0: Was um, your interest in engineering? Was that something that? That the teachers there were were able to cultivate and sort of point you in a specific direction
1: uh, at the at the time, I was still trying to figure things out. you know I didn't know what I wanted to do. I did have an interest in engineering, but it just seemed like you know I didn't know where to start as far as you know how to apply for college and uh, you know what kind of opportunities were out there. I, I knew a little bit about engineering. So what I did after high school was I, I enrolled at AC so i I did my first two years there at AC and uh, that kind of gave me a little better idea what I was getting into, you know, whether I was willing to commit you know, to getting that four-year degree. And from there, I applied to the University of Texas at Austin, and, and that's where I ended up finishing up.
0: Okay, so after, after UT, was it always your plan to come back to Amarillo? Was, was that something that you did on purpose? Was that something that sort of just happened?
1: I mean, I, I, it sort of just happened. I met a girl. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, how the story always that's, goes. Yeah, and, and I'm married to her to this day. We've been married for almost 20 years, Susie. And, uh, that was the reason for me coming back. You know, when I left, you know, I said I would never come back to Amarillo. I was, you know, ready to make a career for myself. I didn't know that I could do that here, you know, at the time. And that's one of the things that's, that's changed, uh, over time is that you can do a lot here in, in Amarillo. But at the time I just wanted to get far away from Amarillo, but, uh, you brought me back, and I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you did.
0: So you didn't come back here. This is my guess, intending to own a, a, a large and quickly growing business.
1: Not um, at all. No. That so was tell me,
0: intent. tell me what you did right after college and, and over the years until you got to this point.
1: I first started working at the helium operation. So it was a plant owned by the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, and it was a government-run helium plant. And it was between Amarillo and Dumas. It's shut down now. But they, uh, that was my first exposure to working in a plant, in an industrial environment. And I really enjoyed that. And uh, soon after that, I got picked up by, by Philip 66. And I started working at their border refinery. And I was there for about eight years. So that really started, I really started developing my skill set there because they're, they're, um, these refineries are big big plants, big industrial plants with lots of equipment, lots of big stuff, so things break down at times, and you, you have to figure out ways of making repairs, and so that's, that was really exciting, the, the really exciting about, part about the job. It wasn't just doing calculations, you're actually out working with equipment, working with construction, and seeing how things are put together, uh, and, and you see how things break, uh, break down as well, so those are the kind of things that uh, we're building. Uh, My skill set.
0: And did you live in Amarillo and commute to Borger, or did you live in Borger?
1: I lived in Amarillo most of that time. I lived in Borger for a short time, but uh, Amarillo is where you know I wanted to be.
0: Was that uh, was that a commute that you enjoyed? That you got used to the drive every day? Well,
1: I I think just living in the Panhandle, you get used to long commutes. Uh, It was nice in the morning just to be able to reflect and, and think about the day ahead. In the evenings, it was. Yeah, it was a little dreary. Yeah. You just wanted to get home, yeah, especially after a long day at work.
0: Tell me how you made the transition from uh, you know working for these large companies, um, being an employee and a, a specialized employee, but you know working for them, and then getting to the point where you thought, okay, it's time to to go out on my own and and to take this risk.
1: Well, before I, I we started the company, I, I I jumped ship. I went from Phillips sixty six to Bridge Petroleum. Um, I got to see a whole other part of the industry. Uh, I got to see part of the industry where they're actually producing oil and gas, and not just refining it. So that really kind of tied the two things together. You know, I got to see uh, how oil is produced from from the tap all the way through, you know, to the to the terminals where they uh, where they store gasoline. You know, the one, the gasoline that ends up at your in your tank. So I got to see that whole supply chain, and that really helped in giving me a good idea of the oil and gas industry. And at that point, right when we started thinking about starting the company, I had about 15 years' experience. So I felt like um, I was at a transition where it was either moved to Houston or a bigger city where there where I could move into like an engineering manager role. That's kind of what I wanted to do, but I had kind of hit the ceiling here locally. So I had that option. I had the option of just staying where I was, which I was perfectly happy here, you know, uh, working for BP. And the third option was to you know, just to do something on my own.
0: Do you come from, like, like with your family or anything like that, do you come from any background of entrepreneurship, or was that just sort of a brand new concept?
1: Not really, not any, you know, I couldn't really talk to anybody in my close network that uh, was a business owner, someone who was a business owner that I could get advice from. So... That was of course, one of the challenges is how do you even start and then we when you start telling people that you know you've got this desire to to, to go out on your own to start an engineering company, you know they're well intentioned but they're like why why are you wanting to do this? you know and you do feel some guilt because I was working for a great company, I had good benefits, uh, good career, and why would I want to leave? leave that and risk it all
0: yeah a lot of people don't understand that mindset i mean there's there's the comfort and i'm going to work for the same company or i'm going to do the same thing for 20 or 30 years and retire but a lot of people that's there's an itch you know that that i guess you you have to scratch or you have to think what if what if i don't try this you know are you going to look back and and regret that was that
1: and that was the defining moment, right? Yeah. Asking myself that question, you know, are you going to regret this, you know, 20 years from now, you know, that you didn't give it a shot? And that's really what kicked it all off. And when uh, Jacob and Chris and I started talking about this, Jacob and Chris are my two business partners, that was, we we're, were all kind of in a transition phase. We we're, were all at a point where, you know, we we, we could do something. We were, and you guys worked
0: together at the time.
1: We worked, we all, the three of us worked together at Phillips 66.
0: And so thinking about maybe needing to move to Houston or or someplace like that, you guys saw that there was sort of a a niche in this area that that nobody was was meeting in terms of of the type of design and the type of work that you guys did.
1: Yeah, so the the type of work that we do is we're basically doing blueprints um, that a construction company is then going to use to put in equipment at a refinery, for example. So we'll do all those drawings, we'll do the specifications, and there wasn't a local company, uh, there wasn't a company in the region that was specifically servicing the oil and gas industry. Everything was coming out of Houston or uh, Oklahoma City, the bigger areas. And, and
0: so with all the oil and gas operations here, they were still looking to these larger cities or that's going right. elsewhere to get...
1: And that's what's surprising. Just in our backyard, we've got two uh, good-sized refineries, one at Sunray, one in Borger, and then throughout the Panhandle, there's a lot of oil and gas production. So there's all these there's natural gas plants, there's compressor stations, there's, you just drive out to the north and, uh, and the east side of the Panhandle and you'll see all this oil and gas activity. And we don't really see it here in Amarillo.
0: And people, are, I guess, are used to seeing you know whether it's a refinery or a pump or something like that but we don't i don't ever drive past that and think oh somebody designed you know how all that comes together but that's that's what you guys do right
1: that's right so this you know you're dealing with a product that's flammable or toxic and it's under high pressure so things have to be engineered so that the the oil doesn't or oil and gas doesn't get out of the pipes there's lots of standards that you, you follow, but the main thing is just design equipment so that it's safe to operate. You know, because there's people people have to work around this equipment, and that's the that's the main thing is to make sure that it's safe for the people that are going to be operating it.
0: So your business was one of the big winners of the Enterprise Challenge that the WT Enterprise Center does uh, a few years ago. That sort of got you started. You've you relied on Enterprise Center the past two or three years. I guess maybe longer than no, that. No,
1: it's been longer. It's almost it's been 4 years. Okay, so yeah, four, years, 4
0: years. Um, and in the process you've become one of the fastest growing companies in the United States. So tell me about that transition from just getting started and, and sort of being incubated, you know, by the Enterprise Center and then just the explosive growth that you've had.
1: Yeah, I mean we yeah, we made the Inc 5000 list. Uh, we're number 434. Yeah, pretty high up on that it list was, too. Yeah, we're very honored to be on that list and in the past uh, was started back in 2012 when we, when Jacob, Chris, and I started meeting on a regular basis to kick this idea around. And it, it was not a new idea. You know, people had talked about it, but just no one had really uh, tried to do it here locally. We we were meeting at a coffee shop, on, like on a weekly basis, but we weren't getting any traction. I mean, we just we talk about what we felt this company would look like. You know, who our clients would be. Uh, what we wanted the culture to be like, but we weren't really putting anything in place to to make it happen. And we went to uh, visit the Small Business uh, Administration, and we met with them for a while. And hey, well, you don't really need a. You're not looking for a loan, but uh, you know you should really go to the WT Enterprise Center because where you where you guys need help is developing that business plan. And so in 2000. Yeah, still 2012 we we started meeting with the Enterprise Center. We uh, there's a program called Idea Village and we participated in that and that's where they kind of take your idea and tear it apart. And it's like why would anybody care about, you know, what you're trying to do and trying to formulate a business plan around that. You know, what do you have to offer that that uh, your competitors don't? And trying to identify who our competitors are and how we going to structure the company, you know, trying to put together what our billing rates would look like since we're a service company. That's what led us to entering that Enterprise Challenge because we were developing our business plan. Well, let's go ahead and, and submit our application and, and business plan to this Enterprise Challenge. And in uh, 2013, uh, we ended up getting getting one of the top grants, $100,000.
0: In the process, you guys now work out of several offices at the Enterprise Center. We're recording this interview at the the enterprise center right now you guys have how many employees
1: so we went from the three of us to uh, 25 employees okay and then in four years
0: the clients that you have um are still sort of based in this area or or are you starting to expand you know out of panhandle region
1: we are a regional company our our clients are are valero uh, phillips 66 energy transfer so there's there's some they're good sized companies that are that have lots of operations, big operations in this area, and we're looking at expanding. Uh, we have uh, we just recently got a contract with a refinery in El Paso. We've we've done some projects outside of the region, but we are heavily focused in like a two hundred and fifty mile radius around Amarillo. But uh, at this point, uh, we're looking to expand because we want to continue to grow the company.
0: Okay, let's let's talk a little bit. Um about the three of you guys and, and the role that it plays sort of within the culture because all three of you are from a Latino background. Um, I know that that there's a big push in areas like Amarillo where we, we have a pretty large population that there's a need for Latino or Hispanic owned businesses. Um, is that something that was ever entered your mind as, as you started to think about it or is that just sort of a, a byproduct of, of what you guys are doing?
1: I think it, you know, it just happened naturally. I mean, I think you tend to, to associate with people with the same background, with the same interest, and uh, that that's that was the case with Jacob, Chris, and I. And you know, we we were we were friends outside of work, and so that just kind of led to us having these discussions about starting a business. And I wouldn't have, you know, thought about starting this with anybody else because you know I just had, they were. That good reputations in their field, and we all brought something different to the table, which was really interesting, and just how it all fit together. But you no, know, that was never. Hey, we need to form this because of it. there's an yeah. advantage to doing it that way. You know, there is if you're doing government type work because they set aside monies to for uh, minority owned businesses. But in the oil and gas industry, it's not much of an advantage, if any. But it's 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 important because. Uh, it's good to have uh, a company that somebody in high school who is maybe a latino and trying to figure out what they want to do if they if 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 they can see a company that's latino owned you know they see well if he can do it you know i can do it as well and so we participate in uh, it's called step up to success and it's an event where it's kind of a career fair for uh, primarily latino kids uh, minority kids from the area and they'll bring them in, and they can they do sessions with uh, people that are from different career from different professions, and just tell them give them an idea of what that profession involves. That's one of the things that we enjoy doing is that outreach and promoting engineering, and uh, trying to spark that interest in somebody to, to pursue a math and science career.
0: Yeah, a lot of it is just giving kids an idea that this is possible. I mean that they might not even. See themselves doing something like that, or think, "I'm just a kid who who grew up in this neighborhood." And I, you know, they they need to be able to see an example of somebody who is like them and who is doing something like that.
1: I agree. Yeah, and that's true. And it's not just for Latinos; it's just for anybody. anybody. especially for like I said, for engineering, it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, you can ex- easily explain what a doctor does or what a lawyer does, but you know what an engineer does? It's it's they do so many different things that it's hard to give you a you know quick definition of what. What engineering is
0: you? Uh, you recently were accepted to the Stanford Latino Entrepreneurship Initiative, which is um, number one—a a pretty significant honor. I, I know that it's a, a very limited number of people from all across the United States that that are accepted into this program. So tell me about that. How did you? Um, how did you hear about that? How did you decide to do it?
1: Well, I was—I I was sent a link by a friend. Uh, he thought I would be interested in it, and I applied, and and I was accepted. They accept like 75 business owners a year, and they're looking at some of the business metrics to see if, if we're a good candidate for this program. I was honored to be accepted. And what they're trying to do is grow larger Latino-owned companies. So uh, there there's a lot of Latino-owned, uh, Latino business owners, uh, just like in any other uh, demographic. But one thing that they've found with Latino-owned companies is when it comes to revenue, they're kind of below average. So they're trying to help latino owned companies scale up, trying to build larger companies.
0: Why is that? Why would the revenues be lower?
1: I, you know, I don't know if it's, if, it's a, if it's a single answer. I think there's a lot of factors in it. It's kind of hard to, and that's what I'm hoping to, to also get out of this program, is, is kind of understanding that. But I think what they're trying to do is I think they see the potential. You know there's a lot of Latino owned companies, and if they can focus on this group and and help them scale up, it's really going to help the economy.
0: You'll go through that. You guys have some some plans to continue your growth, continue your expansion. Where do you see Altura in you know five years or ten years from now?
1: we We want to continue adding services, and we see you know in the next three years, hopefully being up to fifty. And that's just kind of a goal that we've set. Uh, we're we're not done yet. We want to keep growing, venturing out of this region. We I, I think we still have a you know the reason this area works for us is because again, you're not bringing companies in from Houston, so it, it's it's uh when it comes to travel expenses, you're not paying for somebody to travel up, spend time in a, in, a, in an airport and then having to pay for the airfare and the hotel. So, when it comes to smaller projects, we're very competitive. So there's a need for a company like this in this area. But I think as we grow, as we think about how we're going to grow, we may want to try to replicate this somewhere else. You know, I talked about El Paso, and, and that would be a perfect location for a company like ours because they're in the same situation. They, all their resources are coming from, from Houston. They don't have local engineering firms that service them, and it, that's, that's another possibility
0: outside of the engineering world or the petroleum production world I mean is is this area in your opinion and based on your experience is this a good place to start a business to to sort of launch something like you guys did
1: it is it's it's the business community in Amarillo has been really supportive i, I just can't say enough about the the business owners that have helped us along the way just being part of the inter, the uh, WT Enterprise Center we get access to advisors and um, just walking down the hall and maybe running into like, a, like David Terry, I mean, just having a conversation with him, he, he can quickly make uh, recommendations on who you need to talk to or a path forward. I mean, because he's they're very experienced people. And, and that's what we've gotten out of this place. We had the technical stuff down. We knew how to do the engineering work, but running a business was... That's know, a different side of your brain. A, totally different. And that's, that's what we've, we've gotten out of this place. And we're so thankful for the, the business community again because they've been so supportive and, and, and we've just gotten mentorship from so many pe- people that are just willing to, you know, to give up their time just to help us grow.
0: This episode of Hey Amarillo is brought to you by Estacar Companies. Based in Amarillo, Estacar is a group of experienced professionals who come from a diverse set of industries and business models. They bring practical executive experience to businesses of all sizes. CEOs turn to Estacar for fresh ideas and momentum, especially when they have a vision for where they want their company to go, but are frustrated with the progress they're making. Coming alongside the CEO's staff, the Estacar team focuses on developing the company vision into a financially sound market-based growth strategy. And then Estacar helps oversee the execution of that strategy. So whether you need them on a monthly basis or even a daily basis, Estacar offers management services, financial services, HR and employee sourcing solutions, marketing support, executive coaching, and much more. Estacar, force for your vision. Find Estacar online at estacar.com. Okay, we're back with Hey Amarillo, and I'm talking to David Salas of Altura Engineering. This, David, this is the section of the podcast that uh, I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, very direct questions, and I want you to answer those as uh, as honestly and openly as you can. Okay, I'm ready. Your first question, what is your favorite restaurant in Amarillo?
1: I think our go-to place is usually Thai food. Uh, I like Taste of Thai.
0: There's a lot of Thai restaurants in Amarillo. How did you settle on that one as your favorite?
1: You know, I like the owner, uh, Steve. He's, he's, uh, he gives to the community, and uh, he's just a good guy. So I, that's one of the reasons we go back.
0: Do you have a regular order at Taste of Thai?
1: Well, I can't eat it all the time, but uh, I like the pad Thai. I can,
0: I can second that. When you talk to somebody outside the panhandle, how do you describe Amarillo? Uh,
1: I think it's, I think it's always the people. You know, uh, when you first come to Amarillo, I guess every place has its beauty, but I mean, I think when you really start exploring the area, I, I think what you'll find is that you know they're just the people. You, you just can't beat it. You know, people are so giving. It's part of the world.
0: What does Amarillo have too much of?
1: Nail salons. So every <laughs> time they open up a little strip mall or a little shopping center, there's a, the first business that's opened is, is the nail place. So I don't get manicures or pedicures, but...
0: Somebody does. Somebody.
1: A lot of people do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does Amarillo not have enough of?
1: What we're missing are technology companies, um, more engineering companies. I don't mind the competition, uh, but... More tech companies, because I think that's going to attract more younger professionals. And I think that's what we need in town.
0: When was the last time you went to Cadillac Ranch?
1: I went in high when I was in high school. I think that was the last time I've been there. I I drive by it a lot, but that's probably the last time I ever actually stopped and took a look.
0: What is your favorite season in Amarillo?
1: Right now, October. And I like it because of the you start getting that chill in the air, and uh, you start thinking about maybe slowing down a little bit for the fall because of the holidays. So that's always a, a good time for me.
0: Okay, I, I'm going to ask you to, to pick a team, Pakisak or and Totem?
1: You know, I go to both, but, uh, you know, Pakisak, they sell Eads meats there, and you can pick up ground beef at the <laughs> at the convenience store, so that's that's a win for me. Yeah, not everybody.
0: <laughs> I, it, anyone outside of Amarillo might listen to this and think there's no way I'm buying ground beef <laughs> at a convenience store, but that's because they don't understand. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the Eads has a long tradition, and Packer'sack and Eads have worked together for you know a decade at least. So it is it is safe. It's it's not like a burrito at a. That's right. Convenience store. It's still
1: frozen. Yeah, when you get it.
0: All right. What's your what's your go to Amarillo coffee shop? Probably.
1: I enjoy making coffee at home, you know, but uh, if I have to go out and get it, uh, I'd probably go to Palace. Why Palace? Because um, it's local. Yeah, that's probably the main reason. And I'm not against Starbucks or anything like that. It's just, but I, I you know, I like the flavor as well.
0: Okay, and then I, I like to end every episode asking the guests to make an endorsement of something related to the area. So, David, what would you like to endorse?
1: It you know, it's kind of a fun one. I think it's, it's going to the food carts or sort of the food trucks on, on Amarillo Boulevard. If you, on a Friday night or Saturday night, if uh, maybe after going out with some friends or the family, just drive over to uh, kind of the east side of town. And I think some people might be intimidated by it them at times, but if you drive by one of these food carts and you'll you'll see a lot of people. There's I,
0: always a line, even at 10:30 or 11 at yeah, night. Yeah. And they
1: stay open late. That's a different crowd at two in the morning, but if you're if you're up and around and around and they set up at six o'clock so like early evening go out there and have great food.
0: Is there a specific truck or a specific uh, thing that you're looking for?
1: You know I go to the one that's in front. Of, if you if you look up Talon, uh, that's uh, they're a construction company and th- right. there's one that sets up right in front of their offices on the boulevard, and that's a really great one. They've got lots of good food.
0: What do you get there?
1: I like. Um, I like the burritos. Uh, the one that my favorite is the chicharron which is like basically pork rind in a flour tortilla. So yeah. <laughs> you can't beat that. Good health food right that's there. That's right. That's right.
0: Okay, David, thanks for uh, thanks for appearing on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. And that concludes the episode. Thank you again for listening. My plan is to drop a new interview, a new episode of Hey Amarillo every Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find more at heyamorello.com or at heyamorello on Twitter and Facebook. And if you liked it, all that I ask is that you just tell a friend about it, leave a review on iTunes, leave a review on the Facebook page. Um, you know, call up somebody who doesn't know what a podcast is and explain to them that it's the equivalent of using a DVR to watch a TV show, but it's like radio. But you don't have to wait until the radio show is actually on. You can listen to it whenever you want to. And then you'll probably have to help them find their podcast app and subscribe and all that stuff. But anyway, tell a friend. I appreciate it. This is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.